This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 91st episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have a recap for episode four of Marvel's Moon Knight. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 91st episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy Doody, episode 91 of the Drive-In Podcast has arrived. Shout out Steven Stamkos, 91 hockey number. How are you? As expected, this is Dr. O on the horn. I'm joined as always by my brother, my co-host, the one and only Ricky Flicks. Uh, Beautiful day we have here, Ricky Flicks. A beautiful day to spend the afternoon inside watching Moon Knight, that is. Uh, Ricky Flicks, the series is heating up. We'll get to the, uh, we'll catch you up from episode three into four. We'll arc you, but I wanted to see how you're doing on this fine Wednesday evening. I am tired. I am tired, and I'll tell you why I'm tired. So, Tuesday night, I go to bed. I go to bed at a reasonable hour. Okay. We're here on the East, we're here on the East Coast. So, these streaming releases, they don't drop at midnight like some of you on the West Coast, some of our listeners here. They drop at like 3 a.m., okay, midnight Pacific time. So I go to bed in the morning. I'm expecting I'll go to work. I'll come home, and then I'll watch Moon Knight. You know, I'll live with the anticipation. For some reason, my body just said at 4 o'clock in the morning, let's get up today. Oh, so no. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. What did I do? I tried to go back to bed. Yes, of course. Well, I, I had to try. But then after that, what did I do? When I couldn't go back to bed, I watched Moon Knight at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I, it might have taken away from my experience, but it was an experience, and I don't wish it on anybody. I stayed up for the whole thing, but I watched Moon, Moon Knight at 4 o'clock in the morning, Doctor. If I watch this episode at 4 in the morning, I might think I'm still asleep based on the wackiness and the dreamlike scenarios that happened at the end of this episode. I, I was floored by this episode. We're going to get right into it, Ricky Flicks. Uh, let's start off. I'll recap where we left off with episode three into episode four. So we have Kanchu, uh basically surrendering to the gods. Uh, he is basically trapped inside a figurine. The gods now have him stored away in, in the pyramids, uh, along with a bunch of other gods that seem to be trapped in this one wall that is full of these gods that seem like they're just begging to be released by episode six. We'll get to there at some point when we get to predictions. But then we have Layla and Steven trekking on their way to find Amit before uh, Arthur Harrow, and it leads to an episode where we don't see any Moon Knight. 
We don't see the suit, but man, did we get an action-packed episode with a mix and a blend of different genres. Uh, Really, I think, cementing the fact that this is really a series that stands on its own, one that doesn't have further connections to the MCU through four out of six episodes. And I can't, I can't say I've been more entertained by another MCU show at this point. So Ricky Flux, I want to get your initial reactions upon finishing this episode. What was going through your mind? Instant reactions go. I disagree with you. What? I disagree. Okay, I think fine. this is a letdown. It's, it's officially turned to a letdown. You're insane. I think it's been a great show. It's been a great show. But the anticipation was too much. As in, the East, similar to a WandaVision. Uh, this is a spoiler, right? We're talking spoilers here. This is a spoiler recap yeah. and breakdown. So, the hippo. We're jumping to this right now? That's what was the letdown. That and no Moon Knight again. Through four episodes, we've seen probably five minutes of him in the suit. That's not good enough. He better be the in the entire suit for the entire 50 minutes for the next two episodes because it's this is ridiculous. So those are my two biggest scripts. Was this episode bad? No, this was a very good episode. Did it stretch a lot of like try to get in your mummy, the mummy Indiana Jones vibe too much? Definitely. Definitely st- was a stretch. But overall, this was a very good episode. But the expectations of this end of this episode, the director, Oscar Isaac, saying, you don't know what's coming. Like, yes, you could say like the therapist, that whole realm. But the hippo, we wanted to see the cameo. And it was the hippo. Ricky, this is the first time I think we dis- disagree vehemently on this show. I'm, I've switched my tone after seeing this episode. I don't need the Moon Knight suit to have oh my. a spectacular episode. We're going to get in episodes five and six, but with no Khonshu, like you were expecting, probably not going to have, right? The suit in this episode. I thought the blending, it moved, like it picked up where the Indiana Jones vibes left, left off, but then brought in like a horror type element that is what I was expecting when Kevin Feige was starting to hype up this show before it was even released. This had almost an Indiana Jones meets alien type vibe. And then at the end of it, I felt like I was thrown into the sequel to 12 monkeys in a mental institution. This show is changing genres, but somehow it fits the performance of Oscar Isaac perfectly. We got great backstory on Layla and it's setting up, I guess, for this third identity personality to finally be unlocked from the uh, sarcophagus that is in presumably the mind of Stephen Grant slash Mark Spector. I was, I just thought this was a show. I just took away the fact it said Marvel Studios production at the beginning of it. Watched it for what it was, and I was floored. I thought it was amazing, and it showed that Marvel can make a show without further connections and without a super suit and still have spectacular returns. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I thought this is the one of my favorite episodes in Marvel history because it shows the capabilities that they don't have to rely on comic book elements. They can rely upon good filmmakers, great acting, 
and complex and wacky storytelling to carry it. So, so that's what I'm saying. So that's why I disagree. I would love to see the suit. It's badass as hell. But this proves we don't need it. Like, that's how good this show is. And again, I, we always talk about, like, like, exactly what you said is what we always wanted, right? But at the end of the day, it's still a comic book. This is still a superhero story. That's why I'm watching. I'm not... I can't be I the only reason why you're watching, Ricky. It can't well, be. Well, I'm also watching for the stars, of course. But at the end of the day, this is... What's the show called? Mark Spector or Moon Knight? That's what I'm trying to say here. So, again, I think I agree with you on all your points. But for me to say that they didn't build up this cameo, they didn't build up the end of this episode to this extent to give us that, I do not agree with. And that's WandaVision like. I still think this is a lot better than WandaVision, just based on the, uh, the critical success of this show that you just alluded to. But you cannot have that hype for... You could argue that Hippo is a worse cameo than a double vision. We don't even know anything about the Hippo yet. We don't know so anything. I did a little research. I did a little research There's here. There's no way this is a Marvel character, a Hippo. This goes to your point, and I also like it too. There's no comic book backstory with this Hippo. It is an Egyptian goddess. The Hippo, okay, listen to this. People that are Egyptian that are listening I'm can probably loose. shout us out. Uh, Tell us more and tell me what I'm wrong here. But enlighten us. So Stephen Grant. Egyptians were like feared but respected. Oh, sorry, hippos were feared but respected by Egyptians. Okay? And by humans, by me currently. <laughs> but this hippo in particular, it's uh starts with a T. I can't pronounce it. Tawawa something. But um, so basically with this role, she's like the uh goddess of like fertility. She like protects children and mothers. Okay. So possibly she's going to protect here, Mark Spector here, and also kind of get him back in the stability mindset because he's kind of freaking out right now. He's seeing Stephen Grant separately right now. That's just a prediction here, but it's going to be interesting how they wind in this Egyptian goddess with no comic book ties to this comic book character. And that goes along with mixing in this third identity that's going to uh, probably that's most likely in that sort of uh, whatever tomb whatever sarcophagus uh, sarcophagus i'm Telephone. not a grammar guy um but yeah so that again Ricky. funny as heck but not a blade type candy not a kit harrington not anything to that they not the third identity promised a cameo you are so but that's what they implied you do you, you were falling for the wandavision you fell for it the wandavision yes! and why not you fall for it? it but you can't just i know we we are a podcast we live off rumors we live off like potential for shows you can't get hung up just because episode four didn't have a major cameo i think when they were what they meant by episode four they're going to unlock something in this show that maybe you didn't assume right we're talking about the sarcophagus the potential third personality but it also is taking this show in a totally new direction it gives you insane um, hints at a backstory and the trauma that Mark Spector has gone through that might attribute to his split personality disorder. We get so many hints. We're just jumping to like the last part of this episode. We have oh, yes, we're just we doing are. It. We're doing yes. it. So we obviously, can work our way back. This is like almost 
it's hint as different Easter eggs from early on in Mark's life. Uh, it, they hint at like maybe where the Stephen Grant personality came from. It's from a VHS that he watched as a kid, someone who was obsessed with ancient Egypt, these gods and the pyramids and these historical items and like the spiritual items. I'm just, I, I know it's a little late to be getting some backstory here, but we do need a little bit more info on the actual, I guess, reason that Mark is this way. All right. What gave it what maybe, and you talk about a protector, like this hippo is a protector of like children and mothers. Maybe along with this video, maybe there's, I have to rewatch and look at for more Easter eggs here. We have Mark who suffered some type of trauma as a kid. Okay, maybe something happened to his mother. And this goes with the phone conversations at the beginning of the show. Is he really talking to his mom? Right. Or maybe he's tricked himself that he's talking to his mom because he went through this trauma and it's going to be revealed by this hippo. So I'm saying there is excitement to the backstory of Mark Spector that it still is yet to be revealed. And we're only just scratching the surface. And I guess. Like, I mean, I guess I'll leave it there and hear your thoughts after that, because I think the phone calls to the mom, it's going to be tied together by this hippo. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this mental institution, like it hinted at earlier episodes, like the cupcake, um, the like, yeah, the cupcake like was there. The, the action figure was there, the scarab. Right. And then I had like other people besides a obviously being the therapist hinted at that. But I think going back to your point here with like his origin story that we haven't really gotten yet, it just seems like we're going to get a different one from the comics as well. Right. I'm not like, sure of the backstory of his. Like he, like he basically became Moon Knight, like his, like his, uh, like disorder, identity disorder is like from a childhood drama, trauma. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it looks like maybe this identity disorder didn't happen until post Moon Knight, like, probably the guiltiness of the Layla dad situation that we got to finally hear from this time around, which is also driven by the, that's also from the comics, mm -hmm. but maybe they're huge like, Oh, reveal. yeah, huge reveal. And maybe that's probably why, like, that's probably where the trauma is coming from. Not like, for, like the comics from his childhood. But then again, we get the calls from the mom that we just forgot about. It hasn't happened since episode one. So they're going to have to tie that in somehow here. Maybe this hippo, like you said, mother protector of mother's children maybe that ties it in maybe the hippo is gonna help them free conchu who knows oh i think a hundred percent that's what we're looking at he looks like he's going to be able to face this childhood trauma and he's also suppressing this memory he's hid from layla right regarding the death of her father he was there he didn't necessarily kill her father but he's partially responsible for the death of his wife's of his wife's father which is that's a lot to hold in your mind Okay. And someone who already is going through dissociative identity disorder, it feels like we're about to reach a breakthrough with this character, a third identity that's going to be unlocked. All right. And then I assume by unlocking himself, maybe somehow he's going to be able to reach Kanshu. And then we know he gets shot. And that's what brings us to this um, like asylum that he is in. Right. Whether it's pro it's all in his mind, we can clearly tell it's all in his mind, but maybe it's going to take Kanshu to help break him out along with this hippo, 
facing this trauma, and then this third identity that helps bring everything all together. All right. So I know that sounds really complex and it sounds nutso, but that's why I think the show is so compelling. Like by having like facing this backstory, facing a third identity, and then bringing the suit episode five and six, it's going to make one killer of a finale. All right. We got five and six still coming. Still got to rescue Khonshu and five. And then we'll go into predictions later. But I am excited to at least spend a little more time in this asylum that is Mark Spector's brain and mind and then finding out more about him. It's just awesome. Awesome. Yeah, like this is confirmed definitely all in his mind, right? Like this is like this can't, there's no possible way. Well, yeah, well, he's facing like Mark meets Steven, like literally person to person. Yeah, and then the third identity is in the He's literally in his own mind whatever. Right. He's in his own brain. And then like, obviously he's like asking like Steven and Mark are asking, you got shot. You got shot. Last thing you remember. Yes. We're in the same boat here. Good. It's like right. confirming, like, this is not real. This is not real. Okay. Right. Uh, and I, as I said before, there were some Easter eggs there. You have like the Moon Knight action figure that's on the ground. Like there's going to be so much dissection of this episode. It's going to feel like you're breaking down a trailer for the new Dr. Strange movie. Yeah, no, that's definitely like the, like when you're breaking down a Marvel trailer, trying to find the Easter eggs, that's definitely what you were doing in this scene. Uh, the final five minutes in this, but hey, I think we talked at length about this final scene. My last thoughts are, it is definitely like the personas that we gave, like, or he gave each person, like the police officers that were sent to his uh, apartment. They were like the bodyguards, like helpers at, they work at the mental institution and Ethan Hawke, Harrow, the therapist. And I'll say this, he kills it. <laughs> like he murdered it in that role. Uh-huh. He, he like Ethan Hawke is just an amazing actor. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. And this like adds like, like how compelling he is and like the real estate he has in Mark Spector's brain. Right. Like he just dominates it. him. And like, like obviously talk about like the beginning of this, the first episode where he's uh, balancing the scales, trying to read Mark. It obviously is a burden on him that, that this uh, Arthur Harrow knows what he's done. He knows his sins. He knows what he did right to lay his wife's father. So this guy, and he's just following him nonstop. He's at every turn. He's like his boogeyman. And now he's his therapist. So I think they're doing an excellent job. I love how they brought him into like that section. For a minute, you thought it almost had like a Joker type feel where it's like, was this real? You know, I know it's Marvel and stuff like that. And like, it's mm-hmm. obviously Moon, Moon Knight. It's a real thing. But there's a moment where I kind of like forgot I was watching an MCU show. And I was like, damn, was he really like just thinking about this the entire time? And they were trying to like pull these Easter eggs and like things that have happened to him, all his memories throughout the first five episodes, first four episodes. And they kept placing them strategically. Uh, I thought it was just super well done. Super well mm-hmm. done. But then obviously... Good confirmation by Mark and Steven as they come together. Right, right, right. Can we just bring, go? Let's just go back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, for a you second. jumped to this. I wanted to build to it, but it was too. It's too impossible. Exciting. Impossible. You want um, me to go from the beginning, or you want to? You you take the lead. Well, we get the long-awaited kiss. Yes, I wanted to bring this up. So we get the kiss, and like that's just like a clear signal that the show is pretty like similar to other Marvel shows. It's like, oh, like this is like exactly what we predicted. 
Like we're going to get this, we're going to get a third identity here. Uh, they're going to free conch you here, like this, this, this. But then like what we were just talking about, that's where this show is different. Where like that mental stability and uh, just like that craziness of that ending is like why that's, this show makes it different and the non-comic book elements as well, which is why this show is different. But at the end of the day, it's still a Marvel project. It hits those same, same notes, this long awaited kiss. He, Steven did it knowingly Our and it keeps the same Marvel notes. And he pulled away from the kiss at first and then he went for it. You know, Steven making moves, making moves, even when Mark doesn't want him to, he's not afraid of Mark. And I feel like we talk about this moment they share at the end of the episode, it's going to bring them together and then they're going to have to address this third identity. But I do agree with one aspect you brought up. This move, this show is a little bit too telegraphed. I can read, I can read their cross court passes from a mile away. Right. I can see like, even with the archeologist and like the, the second episode where Arthur Harrow is watching tapes or his like goons are watching the tape, looking at what Mark Spector has done in his past. And they mentioned like he killed a group of archeologists. And then at the beginning of this episode, it's like, what would your dad do? He was an archeologist and he paid for it. I was like, okay, he killed her. Yeah. <laughs> he killed, he yeah. killed her dad. It's so easy to telegraph in that regard. Um, so I guess that's a weakness of the show. One of the, one of the bigger weaknesses for sure. Um, where do I want to go here? So we, uh, the, the romance oh, you brought I, up. I could, I have another big uh, thing. My, my, so my other... further, I, uh, sorry. I just want to like talk go, about go. the dynamics between Layla and Steven. And now we have the, obviously the complexity now with Layla knowing about Mark. And that's going to add a whole new dimension when eventually he comes back to the show. So I guess, is Layla going to learn how to love both of these people? That almost seems like impossible at this point. Well, I think that Mark, so this is Mark's body. Like this is Mark's. Right, right. But so, I don't think he can just ignore Steven. Like he's right, going to have so, a presence. No, but I think this hippo, and right now what's going to happen is in episode five with Mark, the hippo, and Steven, is that Mark's going to get over his guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Go up against it. And Steven's going to help him. But also when he gets over this guilt, he'll get the best of Steven and become one by the end of the series. And so, so like, there's he'll be like be Steven, yeah. like by day, Mark mercenary moon Knight when he needs to be fighting crime, being a mercenary by night right. or whenever. I feel like there's going to be some emotional moment. You talk about them coming together where like, I they want to be with each other. I can't see them like he can't keep flip-flopping his accents and things like this. There's going to be a Disney moment. That's going to make, it's like a Pixar moment where Mark's going to say goodbye to Steven mm. where it's like, okay, we are now one or something like that. I, don't, I can't see him flip-flopping the accents for like, we had, let's say Oscar Isaac is appearing in the, as this character for seven more MCU projects. He's going to be flipping back and forth for every single appearance. He this has. isn't Wanda. I feel like he would quit after the first like season if this happened, you know, it's just too much, too much of an effort to keep no, up. And I know? think that's the point of the show though, not just like the comic book elements that we talked about, but like why this show is different. It's tackling these issues uh, the identity disorder, like it's got to have a conclusion to that. It's not going to just keep carrying it on, carrying on. So by the end, that's going to be a part of the climax. It's about him coming together with Steven and possibly either joining with this third identity or getting rid of it that we've talked about. So again, that's a huge part of the show, arguably more so clearly because we didn't even get Moon Knight in two of the episodes out of the four. So I think that you could right. say it's even a bigger part of the show, which makes the show even more different that we talked about before. So I guess that kind of like, 
we hit the like the we covered most of the bases, I guess, unless you have something else to bring up. But I'm like we covered the romance at the beginning. Uh, we covered the horror elements and the Indiana Jones elements here, and then we went into like this purgatory state or the mind, uh, the purgatory state of mind that Mark is currently in. But you seems like you have something else to add. What do you want to cover, dude? So obviously the other big thing is that Harrow shoots Mark. Right. Right. So that's what gets him into this state, uh, mental state, purgatory state or whatever. So it's interesting to see like what's going to happen there once like does, because obviously the, the Moon Knight action figure that's symbolizing, oh, that's what he just took from Alexander the Great's throat. Right. <laughs> so right. like the figurine for Ammon. Right. So it's interesting to see like, does Harrow get his, some of his henchmen to go down in the water and grab it from Mark? slash Steven, or does Mark slash Steven still have it? That's like a huge thing, I would say. Um, and then I only have one other thing, but I want to hold off on that in case you have any other thoughts. Oh, just when I, when he got shot, my immediate thought is, I didn't, obviously when he got shot, I didn't think that we were going to this like purgatory state that he's in. I knew something similar was going to happen, but I knew- You would have been a genius. I, I, was, just, I was just thinking, like he's going to be saved by Conchu. He's going to be saved by the suit. So when I saw the figurine and I think about like the powers, some of these figures, these figurines have had, they are the gods, right? Uh, like we see Kanchu being placed on the wall with all these other gods. And then you have Amit being taken out of Alexander the Great's throat by Steven. It just makes me think they're going to use this um, figurine to unlock like the powers of Moon Knight. And he's going to be able to heal from these wounds and just wake up. Mm. You know, yeah, I just I, I, I don't, I I don't see know that. how that's gonna work logistically. I, I was, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not Steven over here. I don't understand the gods, well, and I don't know. Maybe this is a way where he doesn't have to lean on Conchu. Um, hmm. I don't know. It might just unlock something that was I, always inside of him. I had a different take, but I don't hate that. I was thinking, so what have they been doing in the show? They've been slowly building up Layla as well, the potential next avatar, the potential next moonlight moon knight. Maybe she goes freeze Conchu mm. on her own. And then to save him saves Mark because then he has the that's Moon a better suit. theory. It makes more sense. <laughs> I was I, guessing I with the figurine thing. Just a theory, just my prediction. Um, but yeah, no, I think by the end of this episode, like that's what my theory is going to the next episode. I don't think like does Mark still have it? Yes, I do. Um, but how long will this take? Do they go after Layla? I as in uh Harrow, I'm not sure where Ethan Hawke's character goes from here, but um Layla's gotta be out of there. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think so too. She goes to grab Amit from Mark, maybe, probably not because Harrow's right there. But right. maybe, she, like, I think I I love that prediction. She goes, she goes because they're like, we need. Kanchu kept saying, "Send Mark to come get me," and this is an opportunity for the person that Kanchu wants as his next avatar. Avatar, she's gonna prove herself. She's gonna save Kanchu, bring him to Mark. And probably they could be making a deal of some sort too. Like he might, yes. she, like she is the avatar. Like he doesn't, Kanchu doesn't necessarily need Mark. What if Layla just grabs it and she takes on the suit somehow to save Mark? That could yeah, be a thing. That like, could like, be a big it's like thing. Like a she venom type thing. Yeah. She, or Moon Knight. Like she, I think, in, I think Layla, like her real name is a uh, Marlene. Marlene. Yeah. And I think in, in the comics, she is like, at one point moon Knight. at some point or no uh i don't i know i don't i haven't read the comics i know nothing about this character but, so i am not the person to ask so if you 
uh, are listening right now, make sure you tweet at us and like get us right. Educate Please. us. We're looking to learn. We're always looking to expand our minds, expand our horizons, just like it looks like Mark Spector is going to do in the next episode of Moon Knight. Uh, any other um, theories that you want to bring up, predictions for the upcoming episode or even looking towards episode six? No, I, I think that's that's my main prediction here. They free you next episode. Mark figures this crap out. They unlock the third identity. Then episode six, Harrow, let's get after it. I'm a, I'm a stable man. I get in over my guilt. I got Conchu back. Let's let's finish this. I some I kind of feel that we talk about the like being able to telegraph the show. Like they're a little too obvious with their hints, not too subtle, not as so subtle, obvious. Not as they're gonna ca- flip it on us. But not, but not only that, not not as careful as they should be. But like when they put Amit. I mean, excuse me, they put Kanshu. I was confused that too. They put Kanshu on the wall and you see all these other gods that are locked away. Like, are we going to see like a, like we, this is what I fear is that at the end of the show, you're going to get like a huge CGI battle with all these gods going against one another. No. Like these gods that have, these gods that have a vendetta against the current gods that locked them away. Somehow they get released by Arthur Harrow. And maybe Khonshu has to reunite with the gods that banished him, fight alongside Moon Knight, and take on these gods that are led by Arthur Harrow that have a vendetta. Right? That's a big time, but that, that that makes sense because why would they just have a trial? Like they didn't have to do that. They didn't have like have no Khonshu. Like they didn't Brit- have to do that, except it could have introduces the gods and goddesses. And then why give that music god such screen time? Like, it br- it brings it brings Conchu's character full circle too. It's, a, I like that prediction. I'm just gonna stick with mine, but that's a good one. Um, no, but as far as this episode, I think we pretty much covered it. There's only one other thing that's been on my mind more so than that hippo at the end, and it's right when they get into the tomb or the pyramid or whatever, and it's the blue Egyptian like protector. Now. Am I the only one here that was thinking that that at first I thought it was a spoof for X-Men Apocalypse? Which, what are we talking about? The blue, Egy- the blue Egyptian like protector with the one that's attacking Layla and Mark. Oh, the alien? Uh, like, yeah. I, that's where it gave me the alien vibes. I felt, yes. but I couldn't get a clear view of who it was, but I thought she it was, fought it off. I honestly thought it was a spoof at first. Like for really? Oscar Isaac who played Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse. Oh my God, that, that might've been like, I That's honestly thought it was. I was like laughing, but then I was like, oh, wait, like we're this is going to be a long Cause scene. Because he, he plays an Egyptian god in, yes. in a body, he plays Apocalypse. And a blue one. And right. like with the thing, like the whole setup, they did the same thing. I was they, like, oh my God. Oscar like, Isaac was like, damn mother. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> oh, I thought I escaped this stuff. Right. And then, but the, the, the character, the whatever blue guy, is in it more than just that one setting? Like he follows Layla and that horror element that you spoke to. So I was like, oh, this is real. Like we're getting into this alien vibe. Like you said, the, the mummy vibes. So that was like my only other comment I had on this episode. Too funny to like never watch X-Men Apocalypse if you haven't yet. Like the blending of this, sh- this show genres are really like in this one episode, like it's almost like organized into three different acts, three different like types of. Yes, for like, sure. Two, th- three different types of acts that you're watching. You're like the Indiana Jones in the first third. Then you got like an alien type horror vibe in the second and the third. It's like a psychological like mind bender that is perfect for like a 420 release. <laughs> 
You know, it's almost like insane that this got released on 420. It yeah. just matched and seeing that hippo at the end. Um, so this, there's some, some viewers who like just piss themselves afterwards. <laughs> um, okay, that's what I got for Marvel's Moon Knight. That's what we have for Marvel's Moon Knight episode four. So make sure you stay tuned with us next week when we recap episode five. Uh, make sure you're also tuned into the pod because we did a Nicolas Cage draft, his best roles, a one of our best, I would say, Ricky Flex, one of our best top billing drafts we've ever done in honor of uh, um, the unbearable weight of, wait, the unbearable weight of massive talent, right? You got it. I get that title, right? It's a hard title. We also had a great checkup and uh, trailer breakdown of, Thor Love and Thunder, another MCU project, much more connected to the MCU than Moon Knight. We did a breakdown on uh, Tuesday. Also, check that out on our podcast feed. Tomorrow, we have a very special podcast, a blockbuster battle, new format where we're going to be comparing The Dark Knight versus The Batman, arguably the two best Batman movies to ever be put out on the big screen, we're going to have a very special guest joining us. We will not reveal. We will not reveal, but make sure you tune in so you find out who that guest is. We look forward to his expertise and joining us for an in-depth conversation. It could it could be a one-hour pod. It could be a three-hour pod. It could be a 10-hour pod. I can, we could talk about the Batman all day if you guys know anything about us. Um, before we go, Ricky Flex and I sign off here, uh, we did talk. We, we usually give a recap on uh, – Winning time, right? The Lakers. Have you seen it, Ricky Flex? Do we have to save that for maybe next episode? So the Batman came out on HBO Max. Ah! <laughs> yeah, no, I did not get to see that. We'll, we'll start off with it on next episode. Sorry, right? listeners. Make sure you watch it. We'll do a quick recap, quick uh, breakdown of the latest episode. I was watching Nick Cage and the Batman. Priorities. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, I mean, that's like arguably like if you were making a list of like film pro- like priorities, like Batman probably number one for me, definitely like I think for you too, maybe mm-hmm. Nick Cage might be one, but it's one, two for you. My <laughs> okay. priorities are probably Accurate. Batman, Tarantino movies, and then everything else. I think that's my top two. <laughs> that Those will get me every time, <laughs> distract me from doing anything. But that's going to do it for episode 91 of the Drive-In Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us. On the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your po- our, your podcast. Make sure you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at The Drive-In Pod. Until next time, we will smell you.